Welcome to Section 420, Talking Yankees. My guest this episode is Jason. He runs a very popular YouTube channel called 161 River Avenue, an address you might be familiar with, and he's here to join us now to talk some Yankee baseball. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, people can follow you um, on Instagram. You're a diehard Yankee fan, 447. But, of course, uh, you got a great YouTube channel, uh, 161 River Ave, uh, right here, River Ave, um, um, with live streaming as well as almost pretty much daily updates uh, on the Yankees and baseball in general, but very specific towards the Yankees. So, again, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for, you know, and I like to have you on my channel as well. So, um, and it's, again, yeah, it's, it's mostly Yankees, like you said. Um, and we do breaking news. I'll actually be going live the day, uh, the day of the trade deadline so we can get people live feed and what's going on, live action. So that'll be a lot of fun. But I try to make it as mostly fan interactive and, uh, as possible. So it's made, I call it, it's made by the fan for the fan. Yeah, and I got a pretty big uh, subscriber. So like over 12,000 subscribers. Like how are we able to grow your audience? Honestly, I mean, it's been a while, but consistent uploads, um, being honest, being genuine with it. Um, and uh, and one of my rules of thumb is don't, don't put breaking news if it's not breaking news. Um, you know what I mean? So I, you got to be able to back stuff up with supporting articles. And I think that's important because it helps your credibility too. But um, mostly being consistent and just being genuine, being who you are and, you know, make it enjoyable for your followers. You know, that's kind of the way I look at it. And was there anything specific that's motivated you to start it? I'm assuming you're a Yankee fan your whole life, but was it something that was like, hey, I want to start a channel. I want to start doing these videos. Yeah, I mean, kind of leaving corporate America. And it's something that I'm passionate about. And I talk about it all the time. My wife's not a Yankee fan, so I don't have anybody to talk about it <laughs> in my house. So I wanted to start a channel. And uh, I honestly didn't expect it to get this big so quickly. But there is a pretty big following in the Yankee fan world. So, and it's nice to have, you know, to, to learn from different perspectives and share different perspectives. And I think one of the things that helps it grow is, is the people that contribute to it, right? The viewers, the people that give their own opinions and perspectives. Me, an open dialogue makes the channel better rather than people just listening to me tell me I'm right and all that stuff. So I think it's important to get everybody's perspective because it's a huge community, as you know, the Yankee fan community. So um, that's kind of the way I wanted to do it. And I want to continue growing it to be, hopefully one of the best, you know, Yankee YouTube channels out there. Um, so look at this team, obviously, you know, kind of, I was joking around with you the other day and I reached out, I was like, there's not much to complain about, but of course, you know, we'll find things. And I guess the number one is this whole situation with Gallo, you know, we're kind of waiting for him to turn it around a little bit, but it's just like the batting average is really getting bad. And even if you look at all the options, like, you know, if Hicks played better, maybe, you know, Hicks uh, could take, get some more playing time, but he's not even doing that much better. So it just seems like the two gaping holes are Gallo and Hicks in that way. Now, you can't have a perfect team, but you think Brian Cashman is going to look to upgrade with any of those two somehow, or is this sort of like, Hey, like, you know what? We're doing great. We'll just ride and die with those guys. And we can't have a perfect left field though. You know, not every team can have a perfect left field situation. The way I look at it um, is I think Brian Cashman has to make a couple of important decisions, right? Number one is either play the kids like Andrew Hart and, and Florial, And if you're not going to play them, trade them for players that you will play. Right. Because you're clearly not getting what you need out of Gallo and Hicks. Right. And it's unfortunate, but it's true. And so it's, it's I think it's a reality that they need to face. And, and who are they going to bring in if they do make a trade that would be the right fit? I would say that the best player is not always the best fit. Right. And the best fit for a team that has kind of great chemistry is important. So we talked about Andrew Benatendi and Ian Happ, talked about Brian Reynolds. Um, what, what are they ex exactly looking for? Right. And one of the things about Cashman is he never tells you anything. He never tells you what they're looking for, what they need. He just goes out and gets it and makes moves that nobody's thinking about like Clay Holmes and Jose Trevino. So 
I do expect them to probably move Gallo because contractually it's easier to move. Um, Hicks has three more years of that 10 million per. And in hindsight, it looks like a reasonable contract, but his production is not supporting that right now. So if he was producing normally or a decent production, his contract would look like a steal and would be easier to trade. But unfortunately, that's not happening, right? So I do expect them to make some type of move. But in combining that in, you have these guys, Andujar and, and, and Florian, who are very productive at AAA. And Andujar has been productive at the major league level. Not, not so much Florian, but they've played well enough to justify giving them a little bit of time up here, in my opinion. And if you're going to give them time, or you can send them up now, and even if you sit Gallo or Hicks for a little while, let them work things out, or let them work with the hitting coach. Play these kids because I, I don't think, you know, like Florial getting the twenty seventh, I'm not um, Andor getting the twenty seventh man in the double header. To me, that's I consider that garbage time because that's like once every month, and it's it's very hard to be productive at the major league level if you're not, if you're hardly ever playing. So, and it's and again, this is not like high school baseball. This is major league. You're hitting great pitchers every game. So it's really hard if you're not getting some kind of consistent playing time to be productive. So I think if they're going to play Andujar, keep him up here for a little while. If you're going to play uh, Florial, keep him up here for a little while. Let them justify just keeping them up here. And if they don't, then you can trade them, or at the very least, keep them up here while you're looking for a trade. It gives you more flexibility, and you're getting more production from the positions that you're not getting production from right now. So, and I understand it's tough because those other guys are locked into big contracts, and it's very unpopular to sit guys like that. I get that, but you know, at the end of the day, the Astros are going to get better. You know, they're going to make additions, right? So are the Rays and the Dodgers and some of the teams that we're going to be most competitive with, they're going to make additions. So the Yankees have to figure out a way to hang with them. Like right now, as you saw with the Astros series, their their offense struggled with their good pitching against their good pitching. So we need some contact hitting. Um, and personally, I'm Brian Reynolds seems to be the the, the most better fit in my opinion and everybody like Juan Soto is the guy to shoot for, for the, but he's very unrealistic. He's probably not going to be moved, but, and Brian Reynolds will cost a lot of money, but he solves the, the leadoff hitting problem. In my opinion, he's a switch hitter. He's heating up. He's got three and a half years of control. If he's not a free agent until 2026, that's the type of controllable player that's perfect here. And again, if you put him at the top of the lineup, it makes it easier in my opinion to kind of set the rest of the lineup because there's no inconsistency in the top two order top two hitters in the order with the Yankees is kind of rotating. So I think with that semblance of consistency at the top and yes, it will cost Jason Dominguez and some other guys, but it would be worth, um, I think it would be worth the, worth the investment if that makes sense. It does. And I think that the Yankees are lacking um, a leadoff hitter. Like I, I don't, I'm not a fan when he, when Boone bats judge or like Rizzo first. I mean, I know it really doesn't matter once you go the line at one time, but yeah. But the, I guess the and also you know the the failures or I guess the, the poor play of Hicks and Gal has forced them to play Judge and Center a lot more than I think they want to and I think you know that's just I think that's just out of this course they're not getting production out of center field so over the long term I think they'd rather have Judge playing in right rather be I rather see D, you know Stanton DH and but again this because uh, Gallo and Hicks have been struggling it's almost been forcing Boone to put a Judge out in center so uh, yeah they, at some point they do have to solve the situation because. All Gallo really gives you is a glove at this point. That's it. Yeah. And playing out of position at some point will could come back to bite them. Like I worry about playing judge uh, too much in center field, but it's durability. Right. Um, and I, and, and I, I, I do think playing Stanton a few times here and there helps his productivity. I think it keeps him better engaged in, in terms of his hitting on the hitting side. So I would be rotating Stanton and judge lead, uh, DH and right field. And then you put somebody in. So I keep going back to Brian Reynolds because he's the perfect fit to me in center field. 
Um, and then you can easily position these guys. Otherwise, man, because I think judge hitting second or third would be better than him hitting first. He gets more RBI opportunities, right? So does Stanton, so does Rizzo, so do these other guys. And you have a guy with speed at the top, um, a guy like Brian Reynolds who steals bases and does these other things, puts them in a table setting position where you can even bat DJ second, who's their best contact hitter. And then you bat judge third and you, you kind of tile it down. So it, it closes the, the holes at the bottom and adds some pieces at the top. It makes it a more balanced and complete offense, and at least in my opinion. And again, the switch hitter, and Brian Reynolds makes for better lineups, more creative lineups, and gives pitchers more problems on the opposing side. So, but you're right. You make a good point about Judge and, um, you know, playing out of position too much. And again, he's not a leadoff hitter. Neither is Rizzo. Um, I love what Judge is doing, but we got to protect him, especially if they're going to keep him and extend him after this year. They're going to have to protect him. They're going to keep him healthy, right? Um, so, and, and that's that's the other conundrum that's the other situation do they do that or do they get a guy like Reynolds and let judge walk because again and again the only two guys i would justify letting judge watch would be good would be soto and reynolds it would make it a little bit more justifiable and that would be a very unpopular decision obviously because he's the franchise player but if you can get a guy to replace some kind of semblance of offensive production um a guy like reynolds or a guy like soto has to be the way i don't think ben attendee or or ian happ are going to move the needle enough to become that much of a difference maker to put them over the top. Cause I do see the Astros getting somebody like Wilson Contreras, which will make a difference for them. Right. Uh, I could see the Tampa Bay Rays getting somebody like Frankie Montez and at the trade deadline could make a difference for them too. So who's going to really move the needle for the Yankees. And to me, Brian Reynolds is like kind of the ideal fit because he's not as expensive as uh, Soto, but he's also more expensive, but better than Hap and Ben Attendee, if that makes sense. So what's your perspective on that? I want to know what you think. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, play devil's advocate a little bit. You know, it's just funny that if if you if you have in mind that you can have judge for the long term, you wouldn't be playing him in center field as much. So I wonder if there's this little piece in like Boone and Cashman's little mind that figure, hey, we're not going to have this guy. So let's just get the most out of him this year. But that's a little I don't see that you know, in, in that way. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's, the, you know, you know, with, with Judge, you know, for example, as, as the year season goes on, I, I think they are going to have to do as I said rotate more in right field because they're not going to be able to continue that. And I just don't think really, I don't think they're going to make any big moves. You know, Reynolds would be great for them, but um, there is something to be say about you know team chemistry and so forth. And we don't know what goes on in that clubhouse. And you know, maybe we don't see, we can't see it because we're not in there. But if you move Hicks or Gallo, maybe that has a negative effect, even though they're not producing on the field. Um, but you know, it could, you know, we don't want these relationships in there. So I just think a situation where they're not going to really look to rock the boat. Um, again, it would be nice to get something like Reynolds, but I think they're kind of just going to ride and die with it and say, Hey, look, we got to this point already. Maybe we'll pick up a, an, an arm in the, in the bullpen, or maybe perhaps, you know, uh, they're going to probably need some help at the starting at the starters, just cause, you know, some people like Sebi, Tyone, uh, Nesta Cortez aren't used to throwing a full season in a little bit of Montgomery. So they're going to bring up some plays. You might see Clark Schmidt get some spot starts. We'll get some spot starts by J.P. Sears. Uh, maybe bring up Debbie Garcia a little bit. But overall, I don't think they're going to bring any big names into this um, into this folks. I just think, you know, the train's going right now, and this, I don't think they're going to look to rock the boat. So you bring up a good point, too, about chemistry. And, again, I mean, that's one reason I, I also mentioned Reynolds, because he's known as a good teammate, as a good chemistry guy. And I, and I think a guy like Soto, which would probably rock the boat a heck of a lot more than Reynolds would, um, and so that's one reason I, I kind of hone, I've been, I've been honed in on uh, Reynolds for about a year now as a good fit, but 
you you make a good point too. Like who do they, do they pivot to relief pitching? Do they pivot to starting? And again, Nestor Cortez and Severino, at the very least, those two are going to be on some kind of innings limits because Nestor's never thrown more than 93 innings. And he's already almost, he's around around 80 right now. So, and Severino hasn't had a full season since 2018. So those guys are going to be on some kind of cap, right? So you're going to need somebody like a Sears or a Waldachuk to give him a shot. Um, you know, I like to bring in somebody proven at the major league level at the very least, because it allows you to pivot at least a guy like Severino into a long relief role or, or a Cortez or something like that. Um, just to keep those productive innings in there, uh, especially if they're going for a world series run. I mean, uh, to me, a guy proven like a Luis Castillo would be probably a, a bigger or better bet than a JP Sears over playoff. I'm not sure if JP Sears is ready for the playoffs yet. Right. Or Ken Wallachuk there. I like the way they're trending. But getting a more proven guy in a World Series here is probably, in my opinion at least, a better bet. But you, it could go either way, right? Or if they invest in a big arm, uh, David Bednar in a bullpen or something like that, or David Robertson, or if they do a multiplayer trade like an Andy, uh, Andrew Benatendi and a Scott Barlow from the Royals, they kill two birds at one stone. They get the outfielder and a reliever at the same time. So there's a lot of different ways they can get it uh, done. Um, and you're right too. Like what's crazy is, when you think Brian Cashman's going to do nothing, he does a whole bunch. And when you think he's going to do a whole bunch, he does nothing. So it's, <laughs> it's the one thing that mystifies me about Cashman, uh, frustrates me too, but it fascinates me about him too, because he's kind of total ninja GM, total ninja. So he's stealth to like the highest level, in my opinion. So could I see a Brian Reynolds? Yeah. I mean, it, will I? I don't, probably not. Right. Um, I think he's personally the best fit. I'm probably thinking more along the lines of an Andrew Benatendi if they make an outfield move, or if they don't, then an Estevan Florial or a Miguel Andujar, uh, or even a Tim LaCastro to a degree with his speed and versatility. So they have some guys. Um, it's just the point of where Cashman's going to pivot because he will make a few moves, right? We just don't know the type of moves he's going to make. But and he knows too that they struggled with um, with the Houston's pitching, and they've already acknowledged that they have to upgrade in the outfield offensively. Question is who they're going to go for. Is, is Andujar and Florian an upgrade over Happ and Benatendi? We don't know, right? Um, that's I think that's the million-dollar question right now. Which way is Cashman going to pivot? And he's got a couple different avenues. And I think Brian Reynolds will probably be the guy to shock the world trade, where none of us are thinking it's going to happen, That, but it could kind of thing. So that's kind of how I have it laid out, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I, again, I just think any – any moves we made will be more on the pitching end of it than than offense. But again, as I said, Cashman is like ninja. Like last season, you know, we heard the gala rumors, but we had heard nothing about Rizzo. So that was just totally off the radar with that. So again, is it possible? Yeah. And gotta, we got to think also of this, you know, Rizzo is definitely going to walk after this year. I mean, he signed a two-year deal, but you know, has an opt-out after the year. Well, the numbers he's putting up, he's going to get some big offers. So, you know, now Cashman has to think, hey, do I make a move for first base knowing that I'm probably not going to have Rizzo after this year as well. So yeah, that's something else that's floating around. Yep, exactly. He's got two, several pending free agents. I mean, Judge, we know Rizzo most likely, right? Because again, he's going to capitalize on this opt out. He's still plays. He's projected towards forty home runs. So why would you not opt out, right? And go for a bigger deal. Um, so I, I wouldn't hesitate adding a couple years to the back end of his contract either. So because uh, he's been great here, been fantastic. But like, who's a reliable replacement is the other question for Anthony Rizzo. I mean, I can't think of someone like Josh Bell, but is he an upgrade over Rizzo's been perfect here? Who would they get if Rizzo walks? I don't even know. I don't even know who's available or who would be a free agent at the at least at the first baseman level. So, so yeah, that's a good point too with the opt out with Rizzo. 
Um, and I do think, you know, probably the priority is to boost pitching and make some kind of tweak with hitting. But I mean, if in a perfect world, if they can add an outfielder reliever and a starter, that would be a great trade deadline to me. Uh, which ones? I have no idea. But I would love you know, like a Benintendi and a Barlow a combo, right? Or uh, to a more expensive degree, Brian Reynolds and a David Benno. But that's going to cost a ton to do something like that. Or David Robertson and a Ian Happ. That would probably be the midline trade, right? In the middle. So um, those to me represent probably the three perfect trades for the Yankees. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, uh, the pitching, I do think they'll fortify. And again, I think the Astros are going to fortify. I think the Rays are going to fortify. Um, who else do we have to really worry about? I, I would Minnesota might fortify Cleveland because they're going for it too. So, and again, you know, I, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs because you could have the best record in baseball and then go cold at the worst time, right? Or another team gets hot. It just happens that way. It's unfortunately, there's only so many like 72 win Chicago Bulls team where nobody's going to beat them. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's tough in the playoffs. And again, it's, it's a long season and they have to stay healthy. That's the other thing. So, which I hope they do. Now, one of the good things about the season, it seems like the Yankees finally slayed the Tampa dragon, at least to this point, but the team you mentioned before now, Houston, I think clearly in the five games they played so far, I know Yankees won two of those games, but a little fluky because you had the Hicks three-run home run in the ninth, which usually doesn't happen. And then you had the judge walk off. Again, that was a game that Houston was leading. Normally it would win that game. So again, comes to October, do you think the Yankees could finally beat this Houston team? And that's my, that's my worry. If you, if, and let's see, let's see. And I think they're on kind of collision course, the ALCS, right? Um, I would give Houston probably a slight advantage right now in that series. And I hate saying it as a Yankee fan, but this is where I think the Yankees need to kind of make some moderate upgrades. And it doesn't necessarily have to be monster upgrades, but some incremental improvements, what I think would could put them over the edge. And I think that's probably where Brian Cashman's calculus is, right? What kind of moves do we need to make? Because we know he hates overpaying for trades. He hates overpaying in free agency. So how, and he, and he tries to extract as much back as possible. So he is stingy, but he's also a brilliant tactical negotiator. Like did anybody think Clay Holmes would be what he was? I never even heard of him before they traded Hoy Park and everybody's hair was on fire when they traded Hoy Park because he was very popular. But look what we have now. Nobody heard of Jose Trevino, but my goodness, right? This is the magic that Cashman works where he's looking for guys where nobody's even heard of or expecting. So I expect something like that to happen with Cashman. I expect him to probably make a move that we expect to make a move that we don't expect. And to what level, I'm not sure, but you know, it's, it's stuff like that where I think those moves need to happen if they're going to, if it's going to put them over the Astros in, 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 in my view. So what's your take? Do you think who has the edge right now in a seven game series? I would have to go to the Astros right now. This course, again, in these five games, they've completely shown that they've, you know, they've set the pace pretty much in those five games. Again, I know the Yankees had a couple of three run home runs in that opening game to come back. But again, in the playoffs, you're not going to get that. This is going to be tight pitching. It's basically going to be like the, the final game, the, that one game they had in Houston where, you know, Severino got outpitched and they lost two to one. That's that's probably the games are going to be like that. And it just seems like the Yankees are just going to fall short, um, you know, in those games. So again, unless something happens or finally they find a way to figure out Verlander, which they haven't been able to do in like 20 years um, when he was with Detroit. Now with uh, the Astros guy, just, you know, they, they can never figure the guy out. Um, so I would still have to give the advantage to, to Houston at this point. And if I can add something to that, the overwhelming majority of their bullpen and rotation is right-handed. So I think a left-handed bat who can hit righties would be a good add for the Yankees. If they want to neutralize to Astros a little bit, 
Mike and Benintendi can hit righties pretty well. So can Hap. So, so can Reynolds. Like, so somebody who can hit righties well would be a wise move for them rather than, you know, adding somebody who can't, who can't. So that's where, that's probably the, the little maybe difference making statistic that could make a difference with the Yankees. So, cause they're in their bullpen is overwhelmingly righty. So somebody who can hit righties well would be a good idea. There's only, there's only so many times, so many times Aaron judge can come off with a walk-off home run. He only bats once every nine times. So we have to have someone else in there. Right. I think the only good news is that the Yankees, you know, you know, get, they got to some of the um, Stanek, they got to Presley a little bit. So maybe they plays in their head a little bit. I mean, they're professionals. I'm sure they could just take it out and go to the next game. I would say the only clear advantage is that at least the Yankees almost like, haha, we could get to your pen if we want to. So that'd be like the only edge the Yankees would have, but the starters, you know, you get some like Christian Javier shutting the Yankees down for like one hit, one hitting them for seven innings, stuff like that. Their starters have been better than our starters, but you know, again, the only clear thing is that our bullpen really hasn't blown anything to them yet. So we had that sort of edge with Holmes. I would say that's probably just about it. They're the team that I worry about in the American League. I don't worry about any team in the National League as much as I do the Astros in the American League, unfortunately. So, I mean, the World Series to me right now is going to go through either Houston or the Bronx. Right. And that's kind of the way I look at it. So they've got to do what they need to do to get better in a way that specifically targets neutralizing the Astros. So I don't think Tampa Bay is going to make it that far. I don't think Boston is going to make it that far, even though they're good enough to do it, it could happen. But Houston's the one that I think any deadline trade should be somewhat thought of as in a way of neutralizing them. You know, how do we get past Houston? Because we have to in order to get to the world series. And I think it's important also to get the best record so we can have the home games. Cause I don't, I just feel uncomfortable in that Minute Maid park. There's a few parks I hate playing in Minute Maid park in Tampa and Boston. Like, even if you have a, t- a 10 run lead, I just never feel comfortable in those ballparks. Yeah. And I don't want to play a one game wild card with any of those teams away. Heck no. Yeah. Like last year, no, thank you. So yeah, no, thank you. I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, again, also here in New York, Mets also having a you know really good season, getting the ground back soon. Scherzer backs at some point. Well, um, now they had a little taste of in-league in action at the end of this month. I mean, as a Yankee fan, do you enjoy those games? Because it's really like we can't win. You know, if we win, well, yeah, the Yankees should win. But if we lose, like, haha, Mets won. It's like, do you, do you look forward to those games or, or there was this uncomfortable for, for you to watch? They do make me nervous, and uh, but not as much as Houston does right now. Houston's, you know, they seemingly have our number. And generally, the Mets usually have the Yankees number in City Field, and then vice versa, the Yankees have their, the Mets number in, in Yankee Stadium. So, but that said, this is a heck of a lot different Mets team than we've ever seen. So, with Scherzer and DeGrom and all the other guys they've added, um, with Starling Marte, Eduardo Escobar was playing like an all star right now, Mark Cannon, like they've gotten so many underrated people here, right? These underrated signings that Cohen is, um, accomplished over the off season that uh, it kind of you know, adds an ingredient to the Mets mystique and, and just power that is kind of being underlooked or just not looked at or underappreciated in my opinion. Cause everybody's like, Oh my God, the Grahman Scherzer. I get it. But look how many times they've won almost 80% of the time without them. So this team is that good. All right. So, so, so to close it, actually want to have a little fun. So you know, the Yankees are off to this great start. A lot of, people comparing to the 98 Yankees. So I want to get your take, take position by position with the powerful technology of a post-it. Yeah, baby. So I'm going to go position by position. And I want you to give me the, which team would have the edge, the 98 team or this 2022 team. So, so first we'll start at the catches. So you got Jorge Posada and Girardi versus Trevino and Higgy. Who would you go with? Uh, I'm going to go with the 98 team. Now this one's tricky. First base, Tino or Rizzo? 
Oh, man. Uh, right now, probably Tino, uh, depending on how Rizzo does. And he's never in the playoffs with the Yankees, really. But Tino was clutch. He came up big in a lot of different situations. So I got to give it to Tino right now because he was money for the Yankees in the postseason. But not by a lot. All right, so now second base. Now Chuck Knobloch, but this is the Chuck Knobloch, the good one before he got the throwing yips versus Glaber Torres. Ah, uh, Knobloch, Knobloch, yeah. Third base, we got Brocious versus Donaldson. Brocious, <laughs> Brocious, yeah. Jeter versus IKF. Jeter, Jeter, Hall of Fame Jeter. Left field, I guess we call a mix of Strawberry, Tim Raines, Chad Curtis versus Gallo and Hicks. Ninety-eight. 98 strawberry those guys so for this year i'm going to put judge and center so judge versus bernie judge right field o'neill versus stanton o'neill not by much doubt because stanton has been stanton's been phenomenal with the yankees in the postseason so just been on unfortunately you know he's been on and off because of his being healthy not being healthy but o'neill was clutch for the yankees for a decade so i gotta give that tenure but it's not by a lot because Stanton's approaching that kind of level, I think, with that production. So, all right, the starting rotation with, um, you know, what we got now Cole, Nestor, and Sevy versus Cone, El Duque, Andy Pettit, David Wells. I'm going to give this rotation a slight edge. Mm, interesting. Yeah, this rotation, just because of upward kind of top level performance. Um, but if we go into the postseason, I'm probably flipping it. Right now, I'm giving this rotation edge just because the overall performance is of a uh, is better. The bullpen, which is Mariano and everyone versus Holmes and what we have now. I'm going this bullpen, um, oh. but in terms of one reliever, it's got to be Mariano. Just Mariano's supporting cast wasn't as robust right now as this bullpen is. If you if if you gave Mariano this bullpen, I don't think they'd ever lose. So according to you, I guess the '98 t- team wins seven to three. So there you go. Yeah, about that. And I think if you play in the World Series, the 98 team would probably win four games to two, something like that, somewhere around there. It would be a good series. Um, but the 98 team, it just had too much of everything, right? Even their backup players, guy went 25 home runs, Strawberry bad 300, Homer Bush batting 400 in the playoffs. Like they, they were everywhere. And they made the right – that was Cashman's team too. Cashman made a lot of those moves. He brought in Chile. He brought in like Knobloch. He brought in, you know, Brocious. Like, Brocious so. trade. And he was like an MVP. Just it shows the progression of Cashman. And there's also his consistency over the last couple of years. And there's been times you've been critical of him, but his body of work over 25 years is pretty darn impressive. So, um, but I would give the 98 team. And again, you have, you know, we have three Hall of Famers on that team too, right? So there's a lot of guys on that team that were just at a higher level on this team is now we have some future hall of famers, I think on this team, but those guys are further along, which is another reason I kind of give them the edge more experience, just more savvy and um, kind of just, a, just a, a deeper team, a deeper team. Totally agree. So uh, Jason, pleasure to speak with you. Talking some Yankees again, people check out your YouTube channel, 161 river Avenue. Again, also like a follow you on uh, Instagram, diehard Yankee fan, four, four, seven, uh, again, fun chat with you and hopefully have you know on again in the future come on come on my channel is my guest uh, as we, if you have time before the trade deadlines we can give our trade deadline predictions I'm game